0: Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang.
1: I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm alright! Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it! I'm putting my heart in this
2: dog. Let's go, man! Let's go. Kane Gang! Kane Gang! Kane Gang!
1: Kane Gang! You're Kane listening Kane to Kane gang. Gang. Kane gang, only on Sirius Kane XM 145 Slam Radio. Boy, you agree? That's Kane Gang.
3: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kangang Radio Show. It's actually a special edition of the Kangang Radio Show. Here tonight, we're going to have a great roundtable discussion with a bunch of uh, phenomenal guests, phenomenal speakers. And I've um, always, you know, this is your boy, DC. We got Dirty Bird over there in the 772. We got John Michaels in the ATL. Guys, what's going on tonight?
0: It's football season. Uh, nice. I was out of the <laughs> camp the last couple of days. They were banging heads today. Miami gets practice going here in a, in a couple of days, and uh, Countdown is on to my trip to Dade County to see the Mario era get underway, and I cannot wait. Ooh. Can't
4: wait. Yeah, to it's, listen, it,
3: it, yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting. So, John, first and foremost, I know you have a uh, special connection with our first guest, so I'd like to you know drop it off to you and let you go ahead and handle this business.
0: Yeah, the next guy or the first guy we're going to bring up today, friend, uh, mentor, one of the best guys I've ever worked with. Um, had a chance to be a part of his radio show years and years ago. It was the old Tony Barnhart, and West Durham Barnhart and Durham from ten to one on Old Seven Ninety of the Zone, and uh, nine years on the sidelines with him and Dave Archer, the best. And I've said this many times, and it's not just because they're friends of mine. The best play-by-play and color combination in the NFL, West Durham from the ACC Network, ACC games and everything, joins us now on the Kane Gang Radio Show. Wes, what's up? Haven't seen you in about eight hours. It seems like. <laughs>
4: First of all, let me say this, Uh, Co, DC, you and Dirty Bird have taken on like labor union status for working with (laughs) Michaels on any radio show, because let me first of all get this out of the way right off the jump, nobody lived and died Miami football in nine years working with me on Sundays like John did. I mean, depending on how the Miami game went on Saturday, <laughs> it's basically his entire personality for Sunday, it got to a point that like we would stay away from him on Saturday nights. And here's the other, here's the other run. He's not going to tell you, I will tell you we play in London, right? We're in London yep. playing a game. And John stays up to like 3 in the morning to watch some kickoff with Virginia Tech or something, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Some damn game with Virginia Tech. The next morning, we're trying to get in the streets of London, see the sights, Big Ben, you know, Buckingham Palace, all that. John is worthless to us. (laughs) Worthless.
3: A lot of Tito's and Red Bull that day, huh, John? No, no,
0: no. Because we had flown the night before. We land. The game kicked off at 3 a.m. And John had a great seat on the flight, too. Don't let him tell you that, either. Yeah, I had, I had a woman laying basically on top of me uh, that was not the woman you want to lay on top of for
5: 10 and a half hours on that
0: flight. Um, but, yeah, the game didn't end until about 6 a.m. local time. Wes and Dave are texting me at 9. Let's I'm go. Out. Let's go. We're going We're going out. downtown. I end up catching what they call the tube. By myself at like 1230 when I finally wake up, me and program director Radio Bob, Bob, Bob the Radio Builder, me and Bob Richards. Uh, and then we ended up out in the streets till way, way late into the evening. And John,
4: John was worthless the whole damn day. We went to Leicester. We went to the Leicester section to eat lunch. John had no idea how to pronounce Leicester. It was bad. <laughs> I mean, and then we went to like Trafalgar Square or something like that. About this time, John's starting to wear down. And I'm glad you told me Dirty Bird before we started, we only had 15 minutes for this segment. So I'm killing about 12 of it right now. Telling you, telling you how good you guys are to put up with this cat every week on this. And he and Wes says that with all love because I, do. I swear to God, I miss this guy every Sunday more than he realizes. Because Arch would beat him in the head every Sunday when he walked in after a Miami loss because John's entire Sunday was dictated how Miami played the day before. It was hilarious. And I wish I could tell you half the stuff he used to say when Al Golden was a coach. Well, <laughs> no, no,
6: we, actually, know. We, were, we were about to ask you about that because he told you, he told us that you actually had to like say. Restrain John, him. Do not go by him. You're not going up to Al Golden, who's no. the Detroit Lions tight end coach.
4: Unbelievable. When we were playing in Detroit, and he's coaching at Detroit, I go, John, whatever you do, if you approach Al Golden, that's it. You're done. You're done. I mean, he wanted to go take out Al Golden at an NFL game. The man has no idea who he is, and he wants to go take out Al- – John, you cannot go talk to Al Golden. Stay away from Al Golden. This has nothing to do with Miami, nothing to do with him coaching. You need to just oh, calm man. it right now. No, we, it. we had a blast and oh, you know, the,
0: the days on the road and it, you know, Wes will never tell the story about green Bay. <laughs> um, he looks at me and Bo Morgan, Bo Morgan, we call him squid Billy. He was our intrepid producer, producer of the Falcons radio network now for what? 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. Yeah, We get the green Bay and you stay in Appleton, Wisconsin, which literally is a two stop light. We've, we stayed in like the one nice hotel we pull up in West Coast. I heard that's a nice club there. And Mookie Dunkelman, Matt Moore, we called him Mookie Dunkelman. Mook, and go, Mook looks at us and goes, You guys will love it. They play EDM and everything else. So, of course, Bo and I go out. Well, that night, thank goodness, we leave the club at, I don't know, midnight or one. So we got a 9 a.m. wake up call. Yeah. yeah, by the way, we
4: got a game the next day, John. Way to prep.
0: <laughs> yeah, somebody gets shot in the head. In the now, I'm not exaggerating. Not five minutes after Bo and I left, so I wake up to Wes, Dave, Mookie, everybody. Dude, are you guys okay? Because there's about 600 cops outside of our hotel. But, uh, yeah, and I will say this about Wes. The most prepared guy you will ever meet. <laughs> Him and Dave wanted to be in the elements. And I'm not kidding you. We're in Green Bay. It's windows it's open. Seven Back. below zero. And they've got the windows <laughs> wide open. Windows open. Yeah. They ain't messing oh, around, man. No, not man. at all. Well, we got to talk to you about some Miami and 8 We'll right. start with the ACC. Obviously, you're well-versed. In the ACC, your dad was one of the elite broadcasters in the history of ACC, but the conference as a whole football wise just hasn't been where we wanted it to be when you look at 2022. We'll start just with a conference overview. Clemson coming off 10-3, and a down year from them. Wake and Pitt go to the ACC title game. Miami trying to get back up. A bunch of new coaches. How do you see this thing playing out?
4: Well, I think you've got to look, first of all, let's be honest here. Um, There's a lot of expectation on this deal, and a lot of it had to do with the brands being the brands, right? The brands being Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia Tech. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your show, which is Miami-driven. I'd say it if I were on Florida State. I'd say it if I were on Virginia Tech. When the ACC brought Miami and Virginia Tech and B.C. into the league, there was an expectation that Miami was going to help drive that brand, right? And the fact that Miami has played for the ACC championship once and, you know, kind of been a factor in the regular season one other time, has been an issue. Let's be honest. I mean, it's just been an issue. I think that the ACC is about its brands, and Clemson's been carrying the brand. Florida State won the title with Winston and Jimbo Fisher, what, 13, I guess it was, 14, somewhere along in there. They've now seceded that brand to Clemson. And when Clemson had a down year, it was easy for the national narrative to be written when they lost to Georgia in week one. It was just easy. And then when they lost to um, – NC State, it was easy to bury Clemson. And then when they lost to Pitt, the season was over. Clemson wouldn't have had a good year. The most impressive thing for me about where the ACC, though, is, John and guys, is that for the second consecutive year and for the third time in five years, the ACC is going to have the best quarterback conference in the country. And it's not even close. The narrative is going to be wild in the month of August and wild in September about who all else is good and there'll be three or four guys mentioned in every conversation about every league. But if you go one to 14 tonight, the ACC is the best league in the country when it comes to quarterback play. And Miami's got a lot to do with that. And now here's the other thing you're talking about, John, the idea of where the ACC is, is going to be driven by how they do in non-conference. Mm-hmm. And Miami is a big part of that. When you play at AM. That's a big part of how the ACC narrative is going to be written this year. There are a lot of other games. Pittsburgh's playing a couple of them. NC State's got one or two. Florida State plays LSU, all those things. That narrative is going to be driven nationally about how the ACC does. And to be honest with you, the ACC has not done great in those kind of Power 5, G5 games. And that's something that's got to change in order for the league to have any kind of opportunity nationally to grow. For the first time in
0: my lifetime, Miami has ponied up the money, $100 million for a staff, $100 million in in, uh, renovations to the the facilities and everything else. Expectations from guys like me are win immediately. The talent is there. Is that
4: a real thing? Is that realistic? I think it's realistic, but I'll also say this, too. I think you got to pump the brakes just a touch. I mean, pump the brakes. Well, you never <laughs> pump the brakes. I mean, you're all gas, and they've never hit a break in your life. But I look, I think a lot of things can transform. I love the staff. I like the intensity. I like the way it's all been put together. Right? Let's be honest about that. But here's here's the bottom line. There's nothing that's been done overnight, right? I mean, there's going to be a bump somewhere along the way. Look, if if they run the table and have that kind of year. That would be unbelievable, but I'm not sure that's a fair expectation for what Mario is ultimately going to build, and I I think it's when you look at Miami, there's so much more to this than just this year. I think people are so excited to have him back, alums, fans, all that, but to say it's going to happen from the jump, I'm I'm not one of those guys. I, I caution you only to say, look, you can have a big year, But a year where you run the table, I'm not sure about that. That's asking a lot to come together because, as you guys know better than I do, there's still legitimate questions about what this football team can do despite the surplus of the talent they have really on both sides of the ball coming back.
0: Two huge roads games. You mentioned Texas A&M, November 19th at Clemson, who right now has the nation's longest home winning streak. Right. And I've already made a prediction. Miami's going to end that this year at 39 straight. Of course you Cause, have. Because they're not getting to 58, Wes. We're not allowing that to happen. Are they going to play, if, you, if you're making a prediction on August the 1st, is Miami playing in Charlotte against Clemson for the ACC title game?
4: I think it's going to come down. You're going to laugh at this. I don't think the Clemson game – figures as important as the Pittsburgh game does. Mm. I think the Pittsburgh game is scripted beautifully by the league. I really do. Because I think those are the two best teams in the Coastal. And the chaos is not in the Coastal this year. The chaos is in the Atlantic. The last year of divisions, for the first time in a decade, the chaos is going to be on the other side of the house from you. Mm -hmm. Really, I think Miami, the winner of Miami-Pittsburgh is going to the championship game. I think it's that simple. For me, the ACC story is going to be written on the other side of the house. Clemson, NC State, I won't discount Wake Forest ever again. And anybody that does is playing fool's gold because the guy knows how to coach and they got the right players and they do a terrific job in player evaluation. And here's the other thing, too. Florida State's going to bounce back at some point, and this might be the year because there's a lot more – you know, solidarity at Florida State right now that I've recalled in in the last five for sure. Um, So for me, I think the Miami Pitt winner goes to the championship game out of the Coastal and I think the other side of the house is is chaos, to be honest, much like the Coastal has been the last seven or eight years. You have had a chance
0: to broadcast all over the place, whether it's London. We did a game in Toronto, which was a lot of fun, one of the worst fields
4: ever. Japan. I was not part of the Japan trip, thank Thank you. God, because international relations would have never been the same.
0: <laughs> I
4: had enough issues getting into Toronto, which is yeah. a whole
0: different story for a different day. Yeah. What's your favorite place to broadcast from in the ACC?
4: Um, oh, that's a good one.
0: I know it's not the corner at Hard Rock
4: Stadium where you're next no, to Club no, Live. No, it's, no, it's not. No, no. There are a lot <laughs> well, of – John, them. you're probably hoping
3: that he was in club, like, next to Club Live so you can sneak over to Club Live. That, no, that's, no, your, no. that's your end goal. I know. We know that your end goal is and to DC, get into Club Live. DC, <laughs> bottom line is
4: he's been to Club Live. <laughs> I mean, he's been to Club Live during a game. You know why? Because he wasn't on the sidelines. That's very um, true. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say this. In the ACC, Clemson's hard to beat clemson's hard to beat it's a it's a pretty good momentum virginia tech's really good um you know john i did georgia tech 18 years i'm always going to be you know deferring to midtown atlanta on a saturday night with the lights on and things like that i mean it's it's atlanta's unique into itself but they're all really good i mean there's not a bad spot for television in Mm -hmm. the acc and you know, I even like Raleigh, which is kind of a unique environment. People don't really grasp how intense NC State is. But NC State's become a tough place for people to play in the last handful of years for sure.
0: So, uh, Radio, where are you at now? I know Packer and Durham, unfortunately, not with us any longer. Bird was show- showing you the oh. commemorative mug that he had, the Packer and Durham mug. You're gonna going to be doing radio? Or nice job, just- Bird.
4: Nice. Just strictly
0: like play-by-play at this point.
4: Uh, I'm actually going to be on Sirius XM 371, which is the ACC channel on a regular regular basis. Um, I'm going to do some stuff on 84. Uh, Roddy Jones and I are going to host the breakdown on 371 every week, which will air on Saturday mornings. It's actually a full preview of the week ahead in the ACC. We're pretty excited about that. You ever need a Miami guest you got? No, we, we don't. We're good. <laughs> um,
3: I think you're referring refer more to me, Wes. Not yeah, himself.
4: Take, take <laughs> cool, I, I. I, I, I tell you this. I think I think DC or Bird are going to be on, or maybe Josie <laughs> yeah. or Tom Bailey Jr. Yeah. Or uh, Cam Gorby. Off. I'll get my man Gorby on, and then John will call you. How's okay. that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, so that's going to be the most uh, – the, the basic uh, – the basic – concept was this they moved the show they wanted to take programming to the afternoon and part of the reason they wanted to go afternoon was they wanted to lead into live games not only on thursday and friday but certainly on saturdays with what they do huddle wise and things like that so pack is going to be terrific on accp and mark's one of the most talented people i've ever worked with in terms of creativity and spontaneity and things like that and and we had a blast and you know this john I mean, my first love and passion is doing games. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to get back and do games and do games in a league that I love and have followed for years was was really just priority one for me. And the ability also to continue to do the NFL. I mean, the, the hard thing to believe for me, and my wife reminded me of this the other day, is this is year 19 for Atlanta, which is longer than I was at Georgia Tech. Mm. Wow. So in, in essence, the the this is kind of where the bread gets buttered for me. So I'm I'm excited to be a part of the ACC network. I'm looking forward to being on the tour next week. I'll be on the tour at Boston college and at Syracuse. And um, I'm excited to kind of see the league year unfold because I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this could be a really good year for the ACC when a lot of people have kind of beat on the league a little bit uh, here in the summer for sure.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure. I I know. uh, The other
4: guys don't get to talk. Is this just you?
0: Well, they they know that I know you, and that's they just because we we were having well, a round. ask questions. What's that? What's Come on, <laughs> got
3: does John shave? Of- does John shave his head every day? Let me ask you that.
4: <laughs> well, he probably ought to if right. he doesn't. <laughs> I mean. Have you guys ever seen anybody marry up more than John married up? I mean, uh-huh. well, oh, yeah. I mean, the two of them did outfunded their coverage more than I did. Whoa.
3: Whoa, whoa, great. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes on that. My wife knows what she has in this. so.
4: Yeah. Wes, I that's your wife as well. You, yeah. you outfunded your yeah. coverage as oh, well. I'm, I. my middle name's recruiting. I mean, are you kidding <laughs> me? Holy cow. So, But, no, I'm excited for Miami. I think they've got a chance to have a terrific year. Um, yeah. But, again, cautiously optimistic, guys. I mean, it's really, really difficult. And he's got a terrific staff. I mean, I'm a huge Josh Gattis guy. And I I think that's going to be a real turnkey situation. But it's so hard to flip the switch one way to the other so fast like they do. So, But we'll see how it goes. It'll be fun. Yeah.
3: Great. Well, Wes, I appreciate you taking the time. You're more than well, you know, more than welcome to stay on and hop on with us for a little bit and listen to the other guys on the roundtable. Oh, um, you know, but again, right. if you have to jump off, we understand.
4: DC, let me say this: I'd far be it for me to get in the way of John's expert opinion on everything that's going. Hey, wait, who's the little guy? Who's that's, the little uh, guy? That's right. little Grayson.
3: That's Grayson. Come on, that's G baby. <laughs> hey, hey John,
4: that's G baby. Hey, hey, put Grayson on the show. He can help John. Uh, <laughs> he <will too. laughs> Hey, take care, guys. Be well. Hey, Bird, thanks for the mug. I'm glad you got a mug, man. Oh,
6: thank, thank you for the mug, man. I was like, came. I was like, oh my gosh. Look, Bird, I've, Bird. You... I even got this nice car.
0: Or this nice oh, car yeah, we can't this see thing? that.
3: Nah, but Bird, you can also say thanks eBay because I know we got you got it from eBay. So don't you can go <laughs> eBay out there.
0: <laughs> don't guys. ask us. Is, is there any copies left of the Packer and Durham Beach Music CD that we had from about a
4: decade and a half ago? The the those all Durham, the Barnard and Durham Beach music? Yeah, yeah. that one. That's what I meant. Uh, I don't know CDs. I mean, it might be on somebody's Spotify playlist, but it's not on. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I I dig up on the Sirius XM. I get the Beach Music channel rolling, and and people look at me like, "What are you listening to?" I was like, man, don't worry about it. It's the way I grew up. So, <laughs> Wes, well, a pleasure as always. I'll see you at camp.
3: Take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks be much. well.
4: Okay.
0: Keep
7: in touch. Right. Appreciate it. Matt. Yeah.
3: Great. You're listening to the Ken Gang Radio Show here on SiriusXM Slam Radio, channel 145. Really, really thank you to West Durham and a shout out to everybody listening in Twitter Spaces. And uh, thanks for Danny Boy Kane for setting that up uh, for the first time with our live broadcasting spaces. Um, obviously, tonight after we, we do this roundtable, um, a few of us are going to hop over to the Twitter Space. So if you guys want to you know, take a look at that and hop on in there, we're going to take some questions. So listen, we got a bunch of fantastic guests lined up, ready to go. Uh, let me start Bert, Do we have everybody ready to go? Is is, is everybody we in? Or?
6: Uh, well, Larry, uh, Larry's uh, not feeling well. Our own uh, Larry from uh, slam radio is not feeling well. So he's not okay. able to join us tonight, but we got to, everybody else is able to make it, man. They've uh, kind enough to grace us with their time. So let's start. Well,
3: yeah. Listen, go. obviously you guys know, Um, if you guys are familiar with anybody doing some X and, and X and Rose, Roman from the orange bowl boys, I'd like to welcome him <laughs> to the show. Ro, what's good, brother?
0: Oh, we gotta get him off mute is a big big issue, right? It's <laughs> like wait a minute. He's
3: <laughs> talking well, you're dead.
2: Dead.
0: what a rookie. Oh my goodness.
2: After <laughs> listening to West Durham professional all up, it took two seconds for a consummate Miami fan to come and butcher it up. Man, what a fantastic you guys did great with him. I mean, I'm a big fan of and he met he mentioned Roddy, and that's like his color coordinator in crime. Uh, Roddy was just on with us and man, those two are going to be phenomenal calling ACC Roddy I can't is write.
0: one of the best people row you'll ever meet. I literally, and I'm not making this up. The first time Ro, uh, Roddy ever did live radio was with me. So he got indoctrinated with like the worst radio person ever. Uh, but he's <laughs> such, he's a, he's a great dude. He's an unbelievable broadcaster and everything else. And Wes has been my guy literally for 20 years. And, you know, I'm glad he could come on and talk and make fun of me for at least 10 minutes or so.
3: Yeah, Yeah, there you go. All right, so, Barry, we ready to go with our next guest joining the roundtable?
0: Let's do it. Let's bring
6: him
3: in. All right. State of the U publisher, Cam Underwood. Is Cam in the house? Where's Cam at?
8: There he uh, is. Cam was on his phone talking shit. heard State of
7: the
8: U and said, oh, boy, hold on. Time to go. State of the <laughs> U. Talking, so.
3: Well, listen, okay. good evening. Appreciate you taking the time to help. You know, hop on this little roundtable tonight. Um, yeah, you guys smoke. know our next, go, uh, next guest from 24-7 Sports and Through the Smoke podcast, David Lake, is uh, going to join the Kangang Gang tonight. David, welcome, sir.
7: Thanks, thanks. Glad to be on with everyone and lots of familiar faces and glad the season's right around the corner.
3: Man, listen, and that's the key thing, right? Uh, locked on Kane's locked on, uh, host Alex Dono is going to be joining us as well. Alex, welcome to the show, brother.
5: Well, first of all, this is an awesome panel. Uh, it, I, I'm I'm geeking out to everybody on here, so thank you for having me. And I listened to everything that Wes Durham said, but the stuff that he said about tempering expectations was in one ear out the other. Yeah. I refuse <laughs> to do that.
0: Dono, he was actually talking to me with that because I promise you, We'd be in preseason trips and we'd have stupid, fat, sweaty Thai guy on the sideline. Wes, we're going to be all right this year. And he'd look at me and goes, John, would you just stop? And I'd go Jesus. crazy. And then by week three, I'd be like, I want that fat piece of garbage off my sideline. And thankfully, he's
3: going <laughs> to it anymore.
5: Hey,
0: and what, but we got one more like, guest, right? The wife That's was right. nice enough to bring me some Go Fluid as I've got uh, some Tito's and sugar free Red Bull. So it's all there you go.
3: And then, obviously, last but not least, you guys might know him as number fifteen for the Miami Hurricanes. I rub him wrong and always say Mr. Number Thirty Nine because to me, I go by the OG number that they give you when you're a nobody freshman. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Monroe. Uh, that ain't changed too much throughout the years, but you know what? He looks better though, at least. You're right. Well, listen, guys, we appreciate you guys for taking your time out tonight on this Monday to, to do this little roundtable. Obviously, we've got a lot of things, you know, up and going uh, here on the kangang. Gang. So, Bert, I'm going to turn it over to you, let you know, let everybody know what's going on, and uh, we'll get rock and rolling. Sure, sure.
6: Thanks, Coach. So, obviously, we have a full house tonight on the screen. So, in the interest of being able to get through the questions, uh, we're going to ask the question and go around the table ask everybody to give us about 30 seconds if you want to go a little over a little under that's fine uh but i think if we if we do that we should be able to get through uh, pretty efficiently uh so those live uh, Ash, no excuse me those watching live on youtube as well people, please feel free to throw some comments in there uh we'll throw some uh we'll throw them up there but we won't be asking any questions off youtube tonight just in the interest of time so uh co uh, you want to go ahead and get us started on the answer on the
3: question, Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk about offense, defense. There's a lot of like standout players, yeah. breakout players. Um, so my first question would be to you guys is who do you see as a breakout player on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball this year? And I'll go ahead and start with Rose since we brought you in first.
2: Well, you know, the obvious answer is going to be Tyler Van Dyke, right? That's the breakout player. That's the consummate guy that they're picking on the NFL draft boards to go potentially in the first round. But I'm going to step it back a little bit, and I think somewhere in the tight end room, I think we're going to do good. Josh Gaddis has this propensity to really feature the tight ends. Go back and watch some fish, Michigan film, the way he could kind of cat and mouse it, and you saw it in the spring game. So I think a breakout guy is going to come from that tight end group. It might be a combination. I love Will Mallory, but now you get Arroyo, so it's going to be Will Arroyo or, or, you know, something something along those lines, right? Let's just combine their names like Benifer like Will Arroyo, right? <laughs> I,
5: love
2: it. I think the tight ends – I think the tight ends in this offense are going to feast. I see it big time that the stock up is going to come from that
3: position. Gotcha. Cam, what, what's your prediction over there?
8: Um, I'm also going to go with pass catcher, but I'm going to stay outside on receiver just because we don't really have a number one, you know, Charleston Rambo's gone uh, and things like that. So I think that, uh, um, you know, I grew up in Detroit for people watching didn't know I grew up as a Michigan football fan. So uh, Roman was speaking my language talking about that because I keep an eye up there and I have, you know, family members who went to the University of Michigan. So they're always chirping at me and things like that. So, uh, yeah, talking about the tight ends, that's well met. And that's a great uh, thing. But I really think it's going to be on the outside just because we have more proven guys in between the hashes, you know, like uh, the Will Arroyo, like he was talking about, uh, you know, tandem. So I really think it's going to come down to really guys taking a big step forward on the outside because, uh, yeah, none of those guys really have a name or a, a real demonstrated uh, performing hit history of excellence. So whether that's Frank Ladson finally living up to the five-star that he was built to be out of South Dade, whether that's uh, Jacoby George, who I know a lot of people have been looking at, uh, whether that's uh, Restrepo, Burchard, whoever it is, um, you know, on the outside, I think that that's really where you're going to see the biggest step forward coming. Uh, and, you know, Van Dyke is going to have to be able to hit those guys uh, to really move this offense and prove that he can be an NFL quarterback. So I really think it's going to be those outside guys uh, more than the tight or in addition to the tightness. I'm not going to uh, denigrate what Roman said, because that was a really great answer uh, on the defensive side. I would think it's going to be uh, transfers uh, probably on the defensive line. So uh, like a uh, Moultrie or a. Um, jesus i just had the kid's name Mesador. there we go yeah mesador and moultrie uh the the m uh on the line i think that those guys are really going to step in and and uh make miami fans know their name uh while we you know obviously have leonard taylor while we already have uh james williams both of those guys are up for national awards on the watch list already so i'm not naming the. well i did want to mention those guys but yeah i yeah. think eminem on the line are going
7: to be the ones who step up gotcha
3: david lake what's your take
7: I'll go with Rooster on offense. I think, you know, there's going to be a big emphasis on running the ball with this, you know, Mario Cristobal, Josh Gaddis offense, just being more balanced. Um, I think Henry Parrish is definitely going to have a big role too, the old Miss transfer. But I just think Rooster has a little more juice to him. I think, too, this uh, system is going to be conducive for getting Rooster in more space, uh, you know, getting off to the edges. Uh, there's going to be more angles to work with for the running back. So I'll go with Rooster, maybe pushing for that thousand yard mark if he can stay healthy. Oh. And um, defensively, I'll go Cam Kitchens. I'm a big fan. I just think he's a smart guy, uh, coach on the field type. And uh, I know they the safety room's loaded, but uh, I'll, I still like Cam Kitchens kind of being a breakout player this year.
3: Gotcha. I just want to piggyback real quick if you don't mind. Like you talk about as long as uh, Rooster can stay healthy. Well, hopefully we don't go three and you know third and one up the gut twenty times with him. And you know, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. So Alex Dono, <laughs> give me your breakout players, offense and defense.
5: Yeah, so many good names have been brought up. Uh, I'm gonna bring up Don Cheney uh, on offense. I, I think that I'm not gonna say he's forgotten because every time I do a show, people are like, "Hey, talk more about Don Cheney because he's so." beloved as a South Florida kid, but I think it's kind of easy to forget what he brings to the table since he was hurt and missed most of the season last year. So as long as he comes back healthy, uh, I'm going to go with Cheney on offense. And listen, on defense, I know, I know Cam kind of brought up this name kind of didn't, but I think that this is going to be the year of Leonard Taylor. You know, maybe you could say he broke out already, but he started doing it late in the year. I think we're going to have a full season of just buffets of tackle for loss from Leonard Taylor. I think he's going to be great this year.
3: Okay. So obviously we're fans. Let's talk to somebody who's actually played at the University of Miami, who knows what it takes to win at the University of Miami. Brian Monroe, let's get your honest opinion (laughs) on what you think on offense and defense who could be breakout players.
1: Well, we all know college football and football in general is one up front. And, you know, I'm going to give a name that probably isn't sexy and you probably didn't expect me to say, but I'm going to say Jalen Rivers. Up front, I believe he was our best uh, offensive lineman before he got injured last year. Um, and you bring it in Coach Maribel and Coach Cristobal, they're going to change that room, you know, from technique to competing to mindset. And I just think that's the guy that we can see in the future being a high draft choice as an offensive lineman that we haven't had in what, five, six years when it was Eric Flowers' last first round pick. Um, and we're going to need those big boys up front to do everything else the guy suggested with the tight end room, running the ball, not running the ball in third and one and getting stuff like we've done for the last couple of years. So I think the offensive line room, but I really want to pick out Jalen Rivers, because you know, that was a guy that before he got injured to me um, was our best, best offensive lineman. And then on the defense side of the ball, obviously the worst thing that we were at last year was tackling uh, transfer Caleb Johnson from UCLA. We're going to need that dominant middle linebacker. They don't have the dominant middle linebacker to be vocal get everybody in position uh, I just think we'll struggle again and I think we do have some talent in the room I think they're young Keontra Smith Chase Smith um, a couple guys you know uh, the saint that they brought in but you're going to need a veteran guy that's played a lot of ball to be that presence and I think he could be that guy in defense
3: gotcha that, those are some strong points there John Michaels I'm not going to forget about you give me your breakout players
0: It's funny, uh, Brian Monroe and I think just alike. Jalen Rivers was the one guy against Alabama that actually was holding his own against that bevy of defensive line, Uh, and I think he has a chance. Either he's going to be the starting right guard or maybe the starting right tackle. I don't know how they're going to look when they open up fall camp, Uh, but I won't steal that name. I'll I'll take a kid that grew up close to where I live right now in Ja'Kai Clark. I thought when he took over at center for Corey Gaynor last year, you saw more push in the middle. And now you have a year where you feel comfortable being the starting center. He's got a rapport with Tyler Van Dyke. I think Jakai Clark has a chance. He may not win the Remington. It'll probably be somebody from Georgia or Alabama or one of those big fatties up there. But I think Jakai Clark has a chance to put himself into the NFL draft. And I'm going to take Jafari Harvey, or Jafari Harvey, however you say the name correctly, kid that had they had him represent at ACC Media Day. We didn't have a great edge rusher. You go from Jalen Phillips and Gregory Russo to kind of a cast of characters last year that didn't get the job done. And I think Harvey has the chance to be that number one alpha dog coming off the edge. I think double-digit sacks for him really could be a goal that he can get to.
3: Gotcha. I'm going
8: to pop in real quick. It is Jafari because I said Jafari one time and uh, his family members came in. Of the live stream, <laughs> as I said, and I said, whoa, hey, my, my bad, my bad. I was, okay, but yeah, it's, it is Jafar I, Look, I, I am very coachable, yeah. Cam,
0: so Jafar I, it is. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Look, I heard from mom, auntie, cousin, sister, uncle, like, uh, a lot of the Harveys let me know loudly. So it's Jafar well,
6: I, yeah, for sure. Funny enough, his family actually lives like five houses down from me in my neighborhood here in Port St. Lucie, Florida. So I need to, Cam, make sure that I'm all right on the Jafar I, Harvey I train
3: as well. <laughs> all right, so next question I'm going to ask you guys is, what do you think our strongest position group is? And, again, I think there's, you know, you'd look at the quarterback room, look at the receivers, you look at the secondary. So, Brian, I'm going to start with you. What do you think our strongest position group is?
1: Uh, I got to go with running backs. You know, I think uh, they actually recruited very well, the last staff, when it comes to the running backs. You know, obviously you have Rooster, who was uh, David Lake's uh, breakout player, which I think can be a beast if he doesn't have to be an every down back and wear him into the ground because he's a smaller guy. I think bringing a healthy Donald Donald Chaney back is going to help that room a lot. Um, You know, you got Thad Franklin, who's that big boy that we're hoping that can get that third and one, fourth and one that we haven't had in last like seven years or so. Um, But I I really do love the two additions they had with Henry Parrish, who's actually going to be my running back one going into the year. I think he can be that guy. He can run inside. He can run outside. He catches the ball really well out of the backfield. And then you got this kid that everyone keeps talking about, Chavante Citizen uh, out of Louisiana that Mario was able to sign on signing day. Um, and really beat Florida and everybody else in Louisiana. I mean, LSU that nobody thought we were going to get. But if you just look at him body-wise, he looks like an everyday every down back that we haven't had in forever. And they did the little updates of their, you know, what they looked like for the last couple months. And even in the the couple months he's been here, he looks like a freak. So I think working him in slowly in the season, seeing how able he's able to pick up the offense, how his pass blocking is will really dictate if he gets in. But I love the running back room. I think it's absolutely loaded.
3: I agree. Uh, Alexander, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I'm
5: going to stay on the offense. I'm going to make a case for the tight end room. I know that it's uh, it's not the biggest position group on the team, but it's like the perfect generational mix because you've got the elder statesman and Will Mallory who's been around forever. Uh, you know, Then you've got Elijah Royal who's right in the middle, and I think he's going to break out this year. And then Jaleel Skinner is the true freshman. He may be able to make some noise his first year. Yeah, I like Khalil Brantley as well. Um, and you know, I, we were talking earlier about how important the tight end position is going to be in this offense. And I think Miami is
7: pretty darn stacked there. So I'm going to go with them.
3: Okay. David Lake.
7: I'll go quarterback. I think, you know, Tyler's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think Jake Garcia would start for a lot of teams, a lot of power five teams across the country. And I'm a big Jakari Brown fan. Uh, he is a stud human being and a I, he's a hard worker and a physical specimen. So Jakari's got plenty of things to work on in his game, but I think he will get there. And uh, so that quarterback room is in good shape. And if these recruits stick, uh, it's only going to get better.
3: Agreed. Cam.
7: Uh, First of all, great call outs by, uh, you know, the first three
8: guys. I'm going to stick at safety. Uh, you know, James Williams is that dude. Uh, Avante Williams is that dude. Cam Kinchins, uh, who I think David Lake said uh, is his breakout player on defense, that dude. Uh, my personal student when I taught my last year at Miramar was Brian Balaam in my study hall class, a uh, kid who even as a high school sophomore said i'm gonna to go to the university of miami uh play there we're gonna graduate there i'm gonna be you know and we we bonded over that because you know i had my degree and my stuff in my room and he was like oh like i asked to be in your study hall for that uh and everything and i'm just so happy and pleased i mean he's a a plus person and a great player uh you know and then you got Keyshawn washington you got all these other dudes uh in that room i mean so and you don't really lose any ability as you go down uh, you know, from player to player to player, even, you know, third, fourth string. All right. You know, these guys, uh, you know, just to Dave's uh, point would start in a lot of places, uh, even, you know, uh, in the middle or bottom of the depth chart. So yeah, I'm going with safety.
4: Well,
2: well I'm going to jump in the proverbial Lake because that was my answer to uh quarterback <laughs> shocker, right? The former quarterback kid from St. Thomas. Uh, <laughs> it's just to me, the, the, to have the ability to have jake garcia that is your ultimate safety blanket that's you don't want anything to have happen to tyler you don't want anything to happen to that potential but it lessens the blow it's like a pillow that's next to your favorite pillow that if your pillow falls on the floor you're okay sleeping the rest of the night with so that ability to keep jake garcia home who could very easily start for a lot of schools just circle him. he would start And again, with Chikari Brown, big fan of his as well. I've had the opportunity to talk to him. Very hard-driven. And he has a different skill set, right? He has the ability that you could probably factor him in different ways, different packages. You can let his athleticism shine. And this is something moving forward. A lot of schools across the country don't have the comfort of knowing that you have a quarterback room loaded just like ours.
3: So, John, I asked you the first question. I'm going to go to Bird on this one. Obviously, we're the yeah. host here, so I'm not trying to like get us caught up into it. But, Bird, give oh, me no, uh, a position group.
6: <laughs> well, you know, Just I drink your Tito's running and running. Red Bull
3: over there, John. <laughs>
6: <laughs> he has no problem doing that. No, you know, I got to <laughs> roll with the running backs as well. I mean, you know, really the fact that, you know, you have so many different players that can attack a defense and you can make adjustments with, uh, you know, I mean, you got, uh, got Jalen Knighton who's, uh, you know, Rooster, his, his wheel route was open all season last year i mean every time he looked and you know we just we ran it what two or three times and you know he was wide open with it uh you know you got Thad who can be a bruiser in short yardage situations you know cheney can be kind of a, a an all purpose bruiser but you know really the kid the, the guy was going to pick up my offensive breakout player and it's probably the boldest pick i'll give on the show that you know the, the whole time here but you know i think travante citizen is going to play he's mm. going to play a lot and he's going to be really good early in his career you know, just from the, the, the whispers that you hear coming out that he's, he's a grown man out there on the practice field so far. So.
3: Yeah. So next question moving forward is as fans, just the schedule comes out and, and my, my eyes light up. Oh man, our schedule is set up. So, so, so nice. It's, it's favorable, but there comes a point in a time where do you think Miami is going to have a trap game? I mean, there's some point, I think Miami can run the table to a certain extent But do you guys think that there's a trap game? And if you do, what game do you think that is? And, John, I'll go ahead and start with you on that.
0: Uh, It's very simple. It's a house of horrors. I don't know why we can't win in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, You had that idiot playing the goose, that one game that we lost in 2014. (laughs) After The world told us we were back because we kept it close against Florida State. Uh-huh. I hate that place, but they've got a great quarterback in Brendan Armstrong to talk from a football side, and they've got a couple of great receivers that are absolute playmakers on the outside. Um, I know they're changing new coach and Tony Elliott, but he's had success at Clemson for a long time. And you're talking about coming off North Carolina that could be really you know, you I'm sorry, you you're Virginia's yeah. a couple of games later. You're talking about coming right before Florida State,
3: and where, right after Duke.
0: Duke is nobody cares, but you're looking ahead to Florida State. It's a revenge game. You've already had Tyler Van Dyke say we're we're going to show them for whatever reason. And it's Halloween weekend, and that crap ass stadium. We do not play well. So if there's a trap, a team we're more talented than it's it's the Virginia Cavaliers.
3: Brian Monroe.
1: Uh, Virginia is a very good one, but a team that's had our number for the last couple of years, I would have to say, is UNC. You know, I don't know Dude, what I is. hate those dudes. Hate, I <laughs> hate them. you know, it's like the, the one year they blew us out. The last year we got the tip at the end, the interception. But for whatever it is, it's been UNC. And I feel like it's been UNC for a while. Like, you know, we've had games where they've come in and what's his face had the touchdown and wasn't really a touchdown in our end zone and stuff like that at home. Um, but, yeah, to me, UNC you know, Mac Brown's did a good job. You know, uh, recruiting up there. They also have a good coaching staff. Um, I just think that's a game that we just can't overlook here in a year out.
3: Gotcha, David Lake, trap game.
7: Yeah, maybe this is a lame answer, but I don't really, I can't identify a clear one. So I don't know if there is one. I think if you had a gun in my head, I would probably go UNC. But there's a there's a bye week before that game, so.
3: And Man- well, this isn't Manny oh, Diaz.
7: Man- this isn't Manny. <laughs> Manny. <laughs> right. In theory, they should be good to go for that game, but I think Virginia is a good answer too for the reasons you stated, John, with with Brennan Armstrong and his weapons. But really, I think it's just a testament to how down the coastal is. I think mm-hmm. it's—I feel like we say this every year, but like it's—it's it's actually true this year. Um, it's kind of Miami and Pittsburgh, maybe a little UNC, and then it's a—it's to me, it's a significant drop off after that.
3: Gotcha, Alex Dono.
7: Well, it's Bethune-Cookman. No, no, just kidding. I'm actually,
5: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm
3: could just, you imagine?
5: <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be a rough way to start the Mario era. Uh, no, I, I think John hit it on the head. I'm going to go with Virginia, you know, on the road in Charlottesville, excellent quarterback, because uh, the way that I look at it, I could definitely make the case for, uh, for what Brian Monroe said with UNC, but I just think the fact that they've had Miami's number – I'm not going to call it a trap because every player on that team knows how badly they want to kick UNC's butts after what they've done to Miami, especially 62 to 26 a couple of years ago. My God. Uh, And then, you know, I certainly can't call like Pittsburgh a a trap because that's probably going to decide the coastal division. So there's, there's not really a trap there for me. So I I think, I think Virginia is definitely trappier.
3: Gotcha. Cam Underwood, what's your take?
8: Well, I mean, I went last and everybody took all my talking points for Virginia. Well, well <laughs> I didn't go
3: to row yet, so you are before uh, a row. Well,
8: next well, <laughs> later in the cycle, but that's okay, uh, because <laughs> you made some great points. Uh, and it also flexed, or maybe flex a, a little bit of the muscle of just looking at the schedule. I think that the other option of a trap game, and I think somebody just had it in uh, the chat that you put up there, and it's stupid, and it makes no sense, Georgia Tech. That's the one. Um you know, where it's later on and because we get the bye week, the first week of October, and then we run all the way through, uh, you know, the end of the season. Everybody's already looking at, OK, you know, Carolina, you're coming off of a bye week. Everybody's already told the reasons why it could be Virginia. But you're coming off of Florida State, which is a different game always because those boys know each other, you know, to a certain extent, throw the records out because, and everybody said this, and I mean, when I went to college, I heard this from players that I knew. I've heard this even on shows and on the website and other kind of things. Players admit they play that game harder than any other game, right? So now you're coming off of that, and you're looking ahead to whatever, like you guys were talking about with West Durham. Okay, you got to go into to Clemson, live up to John Michael's prediction to end that win streak. Then getting back to what West Durham and then everybody else said, hey, the Pittsburgh game is the the de facto uh, Coastal Championship game. So we're looking at those two games at the end of the year that are two weeks out coming off of Florida State. And that one little stupid damn game (laughs) in Atlanta is that (laughs) one that you could overlook. So I don't think that it's going to be because I think that they are really, really not good. But if there's another option other than Virginia, I think it has to be Georgia Tech.
3: Gotcha. Roe, can I get your perspective on this?
2: You know, I'm going to actually
3: say that the pit
2: game is a trap game. And I know that West just mentioned that that could potentially be the all de facto coastal championship, but I think people are going to fall into the trap to say, Kenny Pickett's no longer there. Jordan Edison is no longer there, that they should be diminished. They lost Mark Whipple. Now, that might be addition by subtraction. All right. <laughs> and. I spoke with Ja'Cory Harris. He's still pissed that he allowed Kenny Pickett to audible, and he didn't have the opportunity to audible. He literally would tell Ja'Cory to throw it to Travis Benjamin in triple coverage. Now, we wanted to (laughs) kill Ja'Cory Harris, but I'm telling you, Ja'Cory maintains, and that's such an odd marriage too, right? You turn around and you go out to Nebraska? Nebraska. But let me get back to the point. I think that game, last game, it's November 26th. Yes, it could potentially be for all the marbles. Now, Rhett Lashley had that ability to kind of figure that defense out, but I have those flashbacks of Mark Rick when we had a fantastic season going in, and that defense just suffocated the U- University of Miami that day. Malik Rozier didn't have particularly the best of games, and, and that's like that's still in my mind's eye. So I'm gonna <laughs> say the trap game, because of the players that they lost this year, could potentially be pit.
3: So I just want to bring this up, and and I'm sure it'll get brought up in another situation, but I feel like with Mario, and again, I, I never want to disrespect any former coach here, but I feel like Manny didn't have his guys prepared to where I think Mario might have these guys and these kids more prepared mentally to be ready to play. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I just feel like mentally, maybe these players will be ready to play, especially coming off of a bye week. We all understand what's happened over the last, you know, five six years. You know, when you had a bye week, you already assumed that the next game was a loss because. That was reality. That's what happened. But I think from a mental standpoint, Mario and these other coaches, and, again, you look at the staff, like the Charlie Strongs and the Kevin Steeles and analysis with Jason Taylor, I think mentally our kids are going to be ready to play. So I hope, you know, we don't have a trap game. I hope you guys not looking ahead to Florida State, coming off maybe a potential blowout against Duke, and be prepared. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, my last question before I turn it over to Bird is, Obviously, with recruiting, you know, we got some transfers, and, and the transfer portal has really benefited Miami over the last couple of years. You know, you look at the Jalen Phillips, the K.J. Osborns, the Jose Vergaleses. Who do you guys see as a, a transfer coming to Miami that is really going to stand out? And I don't care who wants to start. Uh, David Lake, let's start with you.
7: I'll go Mitchell Agude, Agude um, UCLA edge rusher. I think, you know, I understand – that Jafari looked good in the spring, or Jafari looked good Jaffari. in the spring. <laughs> um, I wish we got to see it in the spring game. He was held out for you know just minor maintenance reasons. but um, And I do think he has talent, but for whatever reason, it's not consistently shown yet to this point in games. Um, and so I think adding a guy like Mitchell Agude is going to be big for this defense. He's a guy that he had a ton of pressures last year and he does need to convert those pressures into sacks um, at Miami. But I think he's definitely – I think those are going to be your two starting defensive ends, Mitchell Agude and uh, Jafari Harvey. And uh, I think Mitchell and Akeem – I don't want to take anyone's other one, but Mitchell and Akeem Mezador, to me, are the two clear guys that could be second, third, all ACC type guys.
3: Got you, Cam. Follow
7: up.
8: Eminem, again, I mentioned them earlier uh, just in in terms of breakout guys, but uh, Mesidor and uh, Moultrie uh, on the defensive line. I just think that those guys are really going to be valuable players, and I don't necessarily think that Moultrie is going to be super top of the rotation, first team, second team, all ACC, but uh, there's something to be said for just having grown men. You know what I mean? So when you're going going off the bench, uh, you're not going to just some 17-year-old kid who's going to get ragdolled because everybody's not – the Amobi kid who went to um, to, uh, to Louisville and was a 17 year old when he played there or what, you know, like you're not going to have that many dudes and sometimes you just need that, that, you know, physical development. So I think that those two guys, you know, going along with a good day. And I think that there's a couple other guys as well uh, who can be, um, impact guys you know in terms of if not the top of the rotation at least supporting that second uh that second string and that's really where i think that the strength of the team uh the depth was really uh or the lack of depth was shown because the top 22 11 and 11 on both sides can compete with anybody but once you start to have to go to the bench it really kind of broke down so i think that having those guys is really going to shore that up and that's going to be a big big key
3: gotcha brian Monroe, transfer guys
1: uh, I mentioned him earlier. I think uh, Caleb Johnson is going to be that guy, and we need him to be that guy. There were too many times last year when you would look in the box score and the secondary guys were the top three line, uh, uh, tacklers for the game, or three of the four of the top guys were in the secondary uh, as tacklers in a game. And you can't have that. You can't have your, uh, you know, your second-level guys being the leading tacklers. So to get a veteran guy in there, uh, Cam just mentioned a bigger body guy, not like a 17-year-old kid. It just comes in there and just like, all right, cool. He's 195. Now he's got to go th- get thrown in. You need a guy that's a little bit bigger, that's seen a lot of uh, ball, and he's a vet. Um, and, you know, from all of our dominant years that we've had, we've had those guys in the middle of the field. You know, you go back from the John Beesons of the world to the Vilmos of the world, and you know, most recently, Perriman's of the world. So if we can get Caleb Johnson to step up, be the le- leader, take the younger guys under his wing, and maybe just bring them up a level, then you can see that whole entire defense is playing that much better.
3: Gotcha. Roman?
2: Well, see, I'm going to hijack the moment, and I'm going to say <laughs> we're about to play tic-tac-toe, and it's RO right here starting left to right, <laughs> David, Cam, and now Roman, Akeem Mesidor. Right from West Virginia. We just made it a key messador tic tac-toe. All of us are picking the same guy, or at least a variety of them. I know Cam keeps mentioning the MM guys, but we traded a Tariq Austin Cave, and I feel like we might have gotten I wish them all the, the I'll just leave it there. Anyways, but <laughs> when you have a freshman all-American and then a Big 12 guy last year in consecutive seasons, and the stat that just blew my mind. I think we all can recall how monstrous Gerald Willis was. Mm-hmm. He was living. He had real estate in all of the opponent's backfield. And when I heard he had more, when Messidor had more pressures, and, and and legitimately, when they had the press conference to announce that Akeem Messidor was leaving West Virginia, they were hurt. <laughs> they were legit. Hurt. Yeah. Big so man. when, like, they, it was an emergency press conference. Like, this was something monumental. So it got me to pay attention. It got me to notice. And I'm like, if they are that legit hurt at the leaving of a key I can, I can make the connection. Because if Gerald Willis had another potential year and we would have lost him, we would have had the same reaction. So big a key fan. And it, like, like Brian said earlier, it starts in the middle, it starts in the trenches. And that's, that's somewhere we can look. Positively for this season,
3: absolutely, Alex Donna. What's your take as far as transfer player?
5: Well, I guess we can't go tic tac toe because there's only two of us on the bottom row. But <laughs> for me, it's Caleb Johnson because not only is this a really good linebacker, and like UCLA's defense wasn't really good, but he was like one of the only bright spots on it. But it's the biggest position of need for me. So I'm for for that reason, I I can make the case for like a half dozen of these transfers because Miami got a lot of good ones. But Caleb Johnson like, could end up being the short-term savior of this linebacker core because we all know what's coming in the future. The class of 2023 is loaded. I mean, I, I don't forget about Wesley Besaint and the 2022 class either. He's going to be really good. Maybe not day one, but he's going to be really good. So it's going to be linebacker U again really soon. Right now, it's like you know we don't really want to talk about the linebackers, but I think Caleb Johnson is a guy who can save that unit. And I also want to throw a shout-out to a longer-term guy, because I don't know how much impact he's going to have the first year, but Daryl Jackson, that super long, athletic defensive tackle they got from Maryland. I mean, I just—he's like six foot six, three hundred, can jump out of a gym. I mean, I—I I can't wait to see what they can turn that guy into.
3: Gotcha, John Michaels. Let me before I turn it over to Bird. Let me get your take on who your impact, uh, your transfer guy is.
5: Frankie Latson.
0: Uh I mean, when you go to Clemson as a stud, I know he was hurt. Um, he dropped the ball against us in 2020. Cole and I were sitting next to him, ran by one of our DBs and was quite <laughs> naked wide open and dropped. I think out. he's still running.
7: <laughs> he, he,
0: he, well, Dabo Sweeney ran him out of the building in that time. But when you have that length and that size and that athleticism and you kind of know it's your last chance, I think that light finally clicks when you get to the fall and he's going to realize he can be the number one because wide receiver is wide open. We talked about it. There's a lot of studs there but nobody proven Ladson's had the most real snaps in ACC play at a national power. And I think he has a chance to step in and be not necessarily Charleston Rambo because Rambo had an unbelievable year last year, but give me 50 catches for 800 yards and about seven touchdowns down in the red zone. And I think that guy becomes the number one for this team, maybe by default, but maybe by talent alone. And I hope I'm right. I hope that guy ends up being a second or third round pick, spends one year at Miami, and lives up to the expectations that we've all put on him.
3: Gotcha. you. listen to the Ken Gang Radio Show here on SiriusXM, channel 145 Slam Radio. Bert, I'm going to go ahead and turn over the next set of questions over to you. I'm going to sit back and listen to the panel and just uh, enjoy myself. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to ask you a couple of them too because we haven't really
0: had to get. I'm knowledge. good. Listen, I
3: have no info. I have no knowledge of this program whatsoever.
0: <laughs> but you have fifteen thousand dollars seats. So.
3: <laughs> but, but they're not John Beeson seats, though. I'm just going to throw it out there, right, Brian Monroe? You guys got the good seats.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they're pretty nice. They're pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going I'm to start with uh,
6: I'm going to start with Cam Underwood here. So Cam, who is going to establish themselves as the alpha on the defensive side of the ball?
8: Ooh. Man, that's a that's a good one. I mean, I think that a lot of the the answers that we've thrown out there, especially from the uh, the transfer question, um, could go in that way, especially Caleb Johnson, just because of his prior experience, success and that position that he plays uh, where like, you know, middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Like, yo, like I'm I'm giving the calls. I'm lining everybody up y'all shut the F up and listen to me because we got to make these adjustments. And it's not we making these adjustments. You make the adjustments that I tell you to, right? So that's a guy that I could see um, going that way. Um, but that's kind of my, my runner up. My one is going to be James Williams. I just think that he's a guy who who walks it and talks it, and he's about that life. If you remember, there was that touchdown at North Carolina, when the guy scored and he gave the dude the show that yeah. that real shoulder shiver because it was it was legal, it was right as he crossed that goal line. But he's easing up. But big zero and 6'5", 235 was thirty-five wasn't easing nothing, and put a shoulder in the middle of that dude's chest. And then the whole Carolina offense came over. And then he's like, "What's up with it?" Because yeah. y'all can talk or whatever. But I did what I had to do. Play to and through the the echo of the whistle right? And he's he's been that dude since he was a freshman in high school. Everybody okay. knew this kid from forever. If you've you know, ever followed any kind of recruiting or anything like that, and he's already shown flashes of that brilliance, and he has that mentality of that dog, of that kind of Miami Hurricane that we all want to see. And that one play, when he stood up, Even though it was the guy scoring and crossing the goal line, and he was the one guy there ten toes down, ready for whatever, and the rest of the team just went to the uh, sideline and left him by himself, and he still stood there like, hey, y'all can all get it. I don't care. Like, I'm going to piece every last one of you North Carolina Tar Heels up. That's the mentality I want to see, and he has the performance to back it up. James Williams, watch. Watch.
6: Well, Let me just give you back. If you got me ready to run through a brick wall, go ahead. Listen,
3: go. I'm just saying, like that. All and we talked about this on the show. Everybody else, I don't want to use the word punked out, but the rest of the team punked out. You're lucky Anthony yeah. Rubin wasn't on the field because he would have come swinging helmets, bro. I'm telling you. Come on, believe that.
0: Where now we go, old school. where was Maurice Crumb when we needed him when he went and dump truck that dude from San Diego State back, I think in '90 or '91. I need some of those dogs. You run to the yeah. sideline, I'm putting my hands on you when we get to the sideline. Puck ass oh, is man. running away from me. Don't get me started. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And they left him out there by himself, but him. that's
8: alpha dog mentality. Yeah. And not just mentality, but in action. So not just like, yeah. man, hey, the next time that happened, hey, why, why, why? No, 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 no. The one time that happened, you saw what happened. You saw what that man is about. James <laughs> Williams. It.
1: That's your answer. I love it. Brian Monroe, who you got? You know James Williams was going to be a choice of mine as well, but uh, you know what? I'm going to go and I can't get in the tic tac toe game because I'm on this bottom level with uh Donald, but <laughs> Isadore now, you know, I just you know, when you look at the young man, you, you're talking about freshman All American, you know, Roman brought up the stats, what he did with Willis, and that's amazing to think because Willis took over the year in 2017. All we talked about on that defense was Willis, is, Willis, is, Willis, this. so I think he's going to be able to step in and do the same exact thing. You know, he coming off a freshman year with five sacks, sophomore year four and a half sacks. I think he's going to be able to step up his game with LT next to him and those two guys on the outside that we've mentioned as well throughout the show. So, you know, for me, I'm going to say Mesidor.
6: All right, good deal, good deal, Alex Dono. Who you got?
5: I'm going to keep it brief. It's James Williams, and I don't know how much I could possibly say that Cam Underwood didn't say, which was probably <laughs> the best single answer on this panel so far.
7: <laughs> James Williams is my dude,
6: no doubt. David Lake, who you got?
7: I'm going to go with Mesador, but you know, because he's a transfer, I think he's he's going to have to take his time and earn those alpha rights. Uh, but I think he's, you know, I think he's the best player on defense showing up. So. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go Mesador, but it could be so. James Williams too. I just think James is, James has those traits to me. He's just still young, still got to show the consistency. Can't, can't make the silly penalties that he was making as a young guy, but he definitely has those alpha traits.
6: But it! great answers. Great answers. Ro take us home.
2: Well, of course he's going to have a great answer in Cam, because that's left side, and he's left of me. Well, it's kind of like right, left, left, left of me. You know, and he he keeps saying M&Ms. I'm just going to – if you turn M&Ms over, they're W's. And I think of Vontae Neo-Williams, I think he's going to do it with his play. And I know that, you know, his moxie isn't what James Williams is, but I just think about that play he made, which was like he looked like Neo from the Matrix. That interception was remarkable. He is a consummate ball hawk, and I don't think necessarily, yes, I want that dog behind me to fight. I need that left side guy. I need that guy willing to jump in with me. But I think in this case, especially with Mario, having a guy that can back it up with his play, I'm a big fan of James Williams. I think that's the obvious answer, but I think the other Williams brother has something to say about it as well. Avante Williams is my pick to be the alpha dog because of his play.
0: Love it. Love it. Fantastic answers, guys. Appreciate you. So uh, I throw one in before you continue? Of course the son of mr hit stick and bust dick bro. i I didn't ask me because that's what i was going with because junior's coming back and he's got a chip on his shoulder and nobody no family has ever embodied miami more than that blaze i'm ready for him to come back and knock somebody's dick in the dirt and i don't know if we could say that on this station (laughs) well you already said it so it doesn't matter (laughs) i want him to take his shoulder and put it right into somebody's chest And snot bubbles come out of somebody's face. (laughs) That dude, I am ready to see him live up to the family legacy. I'm glad he's back healthy. Al Blades Jr. is going to knock the shit out of somebody this year, and I can't wait to see it. And now I'm fired up. Oh, man. I love it. (laughs) Must have been a little bit too (laughs) much Tito. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So let's.
6: Let's jump into the trenches a little bit here. So, with the new staff's mindset, you know, being really clearly focused on the trenches, um, you know, how big of an improvement, really, if any, do we see uh, on on the offensive line this season?
7: Who are you gonna start with? Let's
6: let's, let's start with uh, let's start with David.
7: Oh, I think it's gonna be massive. I think we could see just spring football, right? Fifteen practices. The, the jump on the offensive line was noticeable. And typically, you know, offensive line play, it, it's hard to determine um, how much improvement you see in a practice, but it it was noticeable from week one till the spring game. And, and just the, the creativity in the run game, uh, you know, the Rhett Lashley offense, pretty basic in, in the run game, uh, just inside zone pretty much all game long. Uh, this is going to be, much more creative. And I think the offensive lineman really took to it that, you know, this is a scheme built for offensive linemen. And I, I'll admit, like, I think too, Mario would tell you uh, now he would say uh, he's not satisfied with how they played, but I think he would admit uh, that they played better than he expected in, in, during the course of the spring, the defensive line, I think is going to be a massive upgrade because of the transfers. I think, I think those guys are coming for starting jobs. I personally expect three of the four starting jobs to be filled by transfers. Um, and the the returning guys either are going to step up and uh, compete with those transfers for snaps or they're not going to play much. So I think overall the the depth is, uh, is going to be risen and, and the overall play of that defensive line is going to going to be more consistent. I don't know if in this style of defense, the tackles for loss numbers are going to be as high as we saw in the Manny Diaz defense, but I think it's going to be less uh, busts and out of gaps and gashed for big runs. So I think overall it's going to be better on the line of scrimmage.
6: Great. Thanks. Great answer. Cam, what you got?
8: No, exactly. It's going to be uh, hopefully transformational on offense um, in terms of the offensive line. Uh, and the transfer that we haven't mentioned, Isaac Saigapolu <clears throat> uh, on inside linemen. Uh, you know, you put him there and you put Jalen Rivers, uh, you know, put those two guys at guard, Ja'Kai Clark at center and figure it out, you know, whoever's at right tackle, because uh, Zion else is going to be at left tackle. Look, that's a five that you can roll with. And I think it's going to be, um, if you go back to, you know, a kid's game, mother may I, it's not going to be a baby step. It's going to be leaps and bounds uh, better. And if you fold in some of that creativity that Dave was talking about in the offensive, uh, the run game, things like you saw uh, Josh Gaddis do at Michigan especially, and, oh, I loved to see them finally beat that team from the state south of Michigan. My God. Woo! <laughs> but that game, if you – because, again, I grew up as a Wolverine. I can't take that team winning.
0: Oh, I, and we I, hate that team anyway with that stupid No, nuts no, didn't, look,
8: I'm from Michigan, and I went to Miami. Like, hey, I'm with you. Trust me, believe, But, uh, <laughs> you know, but if you – Not just to dump on the acorns, but if you look at that game and what the Wolverines ran in the run game and the way that they were diverse and created, they ran some, you know, uh, you know, like a fake toss, you know, pitch back the other way and like all these different kind of things and you see these offensive linemen look if I'm six 6'6, 340. And I'm getting ahead of steam and then there's this linebacker or defensive back who kind of maybe sort of sees me out of the corner of his eye, but not really. And all of a sudden it's coming back the other way. Yo, I'm, I'm living for that. So, yeah, that's going to be really uh, transformational for this team. Uh, and I know that Mario wants to run the ball and you have a stable of running backs to be able to do that in uh, the defensive line. Yeah. Because of the scheme change again, uh, to what Dave talked about, probably going to see a depression in the number of tackles for loss, but the overall quality of play is going to be raised, uh, and hopefully more discipline and gap sound uh, to be supportive for you know everybody else in the defense, and just you know, uh, and having other big bodies there too. So you're you're looking the part on both sides of the ball, and that's a real real key.
6: Fantastic, thanks, Cam. Let's keep on the uh, let's keep on the middle row here and uh, go to
2: row. No whammy, no whammy, stop. Listen, the, <laughs> offensive linemen, the offensive linemen are going to benefit tenfold. Having the opportunity to speak with Coach Alex Mirabal, I know he gets a lot of flack because of his diminutive stature, but this guy is a giant, and he's an educational giant. I asked him one question. I said, Coach, can you explain to me what is a Gallup step? And his ability to just break it down – Talk about how they're going to get to the second level, how it's going to be physical. But it was so tangible. It was so monosoluble. It was easy to digest. And I think when you have such a complicated entity in the offensive line, having the ability to relate to somebody, having the ability to be an educator, like to be a true teacher of the position, he personifies that. Just the ability to have him speak to me for like 10 minutes, I was blown away. And these kids get to see it. I always felt like Jeff Stoutland was a great offensive line teacher, right? And where did he parlay success to? Into the NFL. There's no doubt in my mind Coach Alex Mirabal could end up being and coaching in the NFL. But he doesn't want it. He wants to do what he wants to do. He wants to coach offensive line, and he wants to do it here at Miami. Then you add Coach Cristobal quickly. And he's an offensive line coach. How rare is that as a pedigree to be an offensive line coach in college football? So by de facto, you expect that this team is going to get better. The University of Miami was 12th out of 14th in ACC rushing with like 132 a game. Uh, 132. Last year, Oregon ran for over 200. Mm. And to piggyback off David Lake in terms of the defensive side of ball, we said Manny's B- Manny's defense, right? N- uh, tackles for loss. We don't expect too many tackles for loss moving forward. But you want to know why that's not a bad thing? Because University of Miami and tackles for loss was ninth in the country last year. You know what Georgia was? Thirty <laughs> seventh. Yeah. It's not all about boomer bust. I can take less tackles for loss if we have more gap sound integrity. If we, were, if we are where we're supposed to be. And if Messidor, you know, the, the row up here, if that's our click to pick, if he's doing what he's doing, we all know, you can let that man eat, you can now not have to sacrifice. You don't have to blitz as much. You, you let those four eat up front, and then you can keep those safeties back. They can cover. They can ball hawk. Then you have the Williams-Williams factor. So I think all the way around defensive schematically, but back to the offensive side of the ball, you got some two great, educating teachers at the offensive line and they're going to stock up immensely
6: love it love it Alex what you got
5: it's the one-two punch on the offensive line I mean you basically have two great offensive line coaches in one staff uh, in Cristobal and Mirabal you know I I second everything that Roe said about coach Mirabal and everybody in that unit, they know they get a lot of extra attention and hands-on work from Coach Cristobal. And it's like you're stacking it for the present and the future because in the present, we get to watch and enjoy just seeing how much this group can get better. And, yeah, you added a couple of Cristobal's buddies from Oregon into the mix and Sagapalu and Jonathan Dennis who came in, which I think is not really important because they know the scheme better than anyone and they can help impart that wisdom on the guys who were at Miami before. And, you know, Miami's got some good players on this offensive line. They just didn't play well as a unit the last couple of years, and they weren't very deep. Uh, So over time, they're going to get deeper. We see the quality of linemen that are coming in in the future with Francis Maui Goa being the headliner. So the future is really, really bright. But in the meantime, I think coaching can make a big impact on that unit. And then, yeah, when it comes to the defensive side, what a combination – to have somebody like Joe Salavea, who I just, I want to run through a brick wall for that guy. Like I want to, you know, I recently lost 60 pounds. I want to put on a hundred pounds and then play defensive line for coach Salavea. That dude gets me so fired up. And they brought in so much quality in the transfer portal where it's like, you know, I I look at, I look at Miami's defensive line now, and I can say, you know what, this, this is as deep as they've been in a handful of years. So uh, I, I think line of scrimmage play, you know, we'll see how they look against a team like Clemson, who's really stacked up front on both sides of the football and Texas A&M. Of course, those are going to be a couple of really, really tough tests. But I think we're in a good spot on both sides.
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Alex. Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think all the guys nailed it on the head. I mean, Roman is 100% correct. And I was going to say Alex Marabal is one of the best teachers in the game, even though he looks like he's five foot four. You stand next to that guy and listen to him teach and you're just like, Damn, I was a punter, but I think I could go in there and drop step real quick because he just he just has it and he has the attention of his players. When he speaks, they're staring at him and most of the time it's straight down, but they're staring in his eyes and they're listening. <laughs> to him. But I think I think honestly, the biggest thing of what we talk about, Cristobal being a offensive line coach as well, helping out, he's a psycho. That's what people don't realize. He's a psycho. You're going to see a different attitude from these guys up front because he's going to be in their ass every single week after the game watching film, and the attitude up front is going to change, I think, the biggest because he's a psycho. He's a nut job, and that's why we love him. And love if you look at the defensive side of the ball, for me, you could tell it was a weakness because I went in the transfer portal and got five different guys. All right? If you go ahead and get five guys on one unit – you, you probably don't like something that you have in the room or, you know, you need more competition, which we all need across the board of University of Miami because that's when we were the best. Uh, but how can you not take a step forward if you're bringing in a guy like Joe Salavale, you're bringing a young guy, Rod Wright, but you also bring in an analyst and a Hall of Famer, Jason Taylor, I guess to sit there, watch film with you, show you a move that you might not have done or do differently. These guys have to take the next step forward just by listening to Jason Taylor and watching film with him.
6: Awesome, good stuff, Co, Why don't you give us uh, give us a quick answer here before we uh, before we pause real quick? You're on you're on mute though, so it helps if
3: you come yeah. off of that. I'm, I'm, usually,
6: I'm usually the one that does that on this show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, you can hear me now, right? Yeah, yeah we, we got, got you. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter to me. To me, just get better. I mean, we've been so bad. Just just get better. You know, obviously, <laughs> your coaches can only teach you so many things, right? Just get better. That's all I care about.
6: No doubt. So, you guys are listening to the Can Gang Radio Show here on SiriusXM Slam Radio Channel 145. We're in the midst of our preseason roundtable show. Uh, huge shout out to our guests for taking time out of their valuable schedule. Uh, these guys are the best of the business. Wherever you know who we all go to for all our information and uh, and whatnot. So, uh, so please remember, uh, you know like their shows and um, you know, definitely follow them on social media and also make sure you're subscribed to the uh, Kang gang YouTube page uh, as well as uh follow us on Twitter. So John, I'm going to hand over to you to take over the questions now. So uh, take it I over. normally
0: don't play running back, but let me, let me tell you, my 40 time is zero to a sundial. So <laughs> unless <laughs> I'm running to a buffet or something, I'm not getting through there too fast to echo the sentiment real quick on the old line, not to take a lot of time on that. I think age has a lot to do with it. How many years have we had to trot out a true freshman at left tackle, a a redshirt freshman at center, and you could see physically, Cam, I think you said it, 17-year-old kids out there. You look on those lines, and, you know, I live in SEC country. Those are grown-ass men by the time you play against them. They're redshirt sophomores. They've been in a program for three years. The fact that you're going to have a senior left tackle, you're going to have, you know, uh, transfers that have been in Power 5 football for a couple of years, a senior center, a sophomore in Jalen Rivers who's going to be really good, and maybe a senior in DJ Scafe on the right side. Miami hadn't had that age in a long time, and I think on the O-line, that makes a huge, huge difference. Some stuff we want to get to, a listener-submitted question, our good buddy Better Duck, who's always very, very positive Uh-oh. when it comes to the Miami program. He asked, can Miami stop the run? Bro, I'm <laughs> going to start with you. Because the run defense with Manny Diaz was really boom or bust. Can they be a better run-stopping defense? I think they
2: can because they're going to have better gap sound integrity. When you are boom and bust, and I mentioned this on the last answer, you have this propensity to kind of get out of phase, right? And then, right, I don't think Mario Cristobal is going to have the same leniency when you miss a tackle at the rate that the University of Miami missed tackles. And then you add the last factor, you have an old war daddy defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He calls it a program. Who still calls it a program?
0: Anybody right. in the South.
2: Right. It's a program. <laughs> he he just looks like he's just going to sit in office with his brandy. He's going to watch film, and he's going to say, I kept Joe Burrow under 1,000 yards for the first quarter. Listen, it was a monumental task just to be into that game. Uh, I think the Kevin Steele effect, I think the ability that – they're going to have this revolutionary tackling system where they can actually tackle somebody. And you don't have a system that's going to move you in all the different directions that Manny Diaz did. I think they're, of course, going to get better at stopping
1: the
0: run. Brian Monroe.
1: Oh, I mean, come on. You can't get any worse, right, the way that he played last year? But, you
0: know, um, Tell me how you really
1: feel, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that's no lie. What are 100 and something out of 100 and something. I mean, come on, Bro. man. Um, I actually roll hit on the head with the gap scheme right you now talking to some of the younger guys that just left not so recently, you know, talking to them when they were watching film and they would say, look, listen, you know, this is our gap. We got to go to it. I mean, what do you mean you have to go to it? Can't you guys like hold up, see where you're going and, and adjust or like, no, nah, they make us run straight to a certain gap. I'm like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And, you know, you know, watching, you know, obviously I'm good friends with John Beeson and watching film with him, with all the linebackers, you learn so much in, about that and, You start listening to I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I don't even play the position, but that don't even sound right. So I think we're just bringing the coach from the SEC country, bringing a different scheme. You're going to see guys talk differently and be able to execute differently and play differently. Like you guys mentioned earlier, you might not see all the tackles for loss in the backfield, but guess what Georgia did? Like you mentioned, they played sound football. There was 11 hats to the ball every single time. I'll take that all day over for a tackle for a loss, and then a 60-yard run by UNC, who's still running on us right now. Oh, <laughs> David, what, what are your thoughts on that?
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep it simple. I just think the tackling can't get much worse. So it's going to be better. It's going to translate to better run defense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, that's the bottom line. I think you guys are right, too, about the being gap sound and all that. But to me, if they can just simply improve the tackling, you know, to me, that's worth, like – three to five points per game improvement for the defense compared to what we saw last year. So I think tackling, tackling, tackling is going to be, it was an emphasis in spring football. It's going to continue to be an emphasis in fall camp.
0: Cam. Um,
8: Tackling, 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 but since I'm a, a numbers nerd in the top 12 tacklers last year for the Miami hurricanes, there was one defensive lineman that was Nesta Jade Silvera who was ninth in tackles. So 11 of your top 12 tacklers to Brian's way earlier answer were third level, second and third level defenders, right? Right. You can't have that, you know? And it's, you know, and and hearing him talk about, okay, well, no, they had us run to a spot. Like, you know, I grew up as a basketball player. That that reminds me of uh, YMCA Zone at five years old when you first play basketball, mm-hmm. and they say, stand here. This is 2-3 zone. Stand right here. Guard this spot on the floor. But mm-hmm. what if there's nobody there? Coat. Stand here because this is how it works. And, again, that doesn't even work at a five-year-old YMCA basketball, but it seems like we're doing something similar to that at the University of Miami for football. And you wonder why we've been unsuccessful. So if we now can change things, and we have some defensive linemen, plural, in that top ten, because, again, Number nine out of 12 was the only defensive lineman in the top 12 for tackles for the Miami hurricanes last year. I live on C- uh, cfbstats.com You can go check my numbers if you want to and go down that, but if you're going to, you know, <laughs> but if, if you change that and again, that mentality also up front of, you know, Kevin Steele in the program and you're just going to let them whoop you and let them run by you and things like that. And, you know, being chastised for that. Hopefully these big guys up front take that personally and, you know, take it out against, uh, you know, the opposing team. So, yeah, it's just going to be tackling, 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 and just having a different mentality up front.
0: Brian, we're going to start with you on this next one. Miami's obviously been red hot in recruiting, uh, shoving Billy Napier and Mike Norvell in a locker on a (laughs) a continual basis, which is beautiful. Is there anything that could happen this year, though, that would potentially ruin this momentum and have kids leave? Yeah,
1: simple answer. They lose. You lose and no kid wants to come. I mean – it's the easiest answer for why you haven't been dominant in recruiting as well. We haven't won. You talk to any kids, I don't blame them when they say, Well, I want to go to Alabama because I'm gonna play for a championship almost every year. I get it, I get it, and you're gonna go to the league. You know, I remember when it was um Patrick Tertan, they were on their official visit and we ran into them out. Mm-hmm. I just asked him a simple question, you know, like, hey, so what you looking forward in a program? And he's or what you looking forward to do in next level? He's like, you know, honestly. I want to go to the league. I was like, all right, we still produce people in the league. I I, I got that. He goes, I want to be coached up. I was like, "Eh, okay, maybe we don't got that as good. And then he goes, I want to compete for championships. I was like, it's nice meeting you bro. I'm out. (laughs) We just just ain't going to get you. And the only, and and that's the biggest thing. You tell me you win 10 games this year that this isn't going to be a top five class because you're going to switch some guys that maybe we're going to a different school out of state, or was on the fence, and now you see Miami, hey, they competed with Texas A&M, and and they're young. They went to Texas A&M. Oh, they lost to Clemson, but, hey, they only lost by a field goal, and they won everything else, and they won 10 games. You're going to have a top-five class. So, to me, the the only way you really lose recruits is you lose.
0: David, to kind of expand on that question, is there a number? You know, two losses acceptable, three maybe acceptable. Is it anything more than that that maybe has some guys go other places?
7: I think nine and three is – you, you can land a top 10 class. I think Brian's right. Like 10 and two, you're, you're looking at top five potential. Um, and look, honestly, like college football, it's really not that complicated mm-hmm. because you can go out and stack the best players in the country, class after class after class, if you got it rolling. And generally speaking, when you have that roster advantage over everyone else, you're going to win a ton of games. And so this, we're at, like the halfway point, right. Of the recruiting cycle. And to me, this is the biggest indication of like why it's going to be real under Mario Cristobal, because I mean, I know you guys aren't out at these recruiting camps necessarily like I am, but like Francis Maui Goa is a freak. He is different. He is a guy that's going to start somewhere on the offensive line as a true freshman. Mm. Um, and, And they are getting guys like that, like Ray, Ray, Joseph, freak slot receiver, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, they have to they have to find a way to win nine games, I think, at least. And in the if they go 9 and 3, those three games have to be competitive. It can't be, you know, blowouts against a and a blowout against Clemson, like we've seen here in recent years when they play these legitimate teams, it's just not even competitive. So, I think you can definitely sell 9 and 3 and competitive losses to recruits. And, you know, you can win a bowl game, too, and you get to that 10-win mark. Cam, same thing for you.
8: Yeah, no, it really comes down to winning. Um, just quick self-plug, I wrote a feature in 2018 called The Recruiting Rules is still up on the front page of Uh So yeah. if you haven't read that, you should go check it out. I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, including uh, current and former, uh, you know, recruiting writers and coaches. But the last recruiting rule in there, uh, number nine of nine, was win. And you have to give them something, uh, a tangible work product to support what you're selling. Cause you can talk this good game and everything, but you talk this good game in the summer and you lose these games in the fall and you see what happens. Al Golden classes, number one for next year, every single year. And then what happened? You know what I mean? Um, de-committed. Say again. I said they all decommitted. Because we lost. Exactly. Look, I worked at Miramar High School. I talked to a lot of these boys. I know for a fact, I'm not going to put their names out there, but I know for a fact, multiple guys would have come to Miami if Miami was about something. And that goes back to what Brian Monroe was talking about. I talked to, uh, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Peterson, now Johnson, now Peterson, uh, when he was at Ely, played at Miramar and everything. And it was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah." you know, I went to Miami, coach went to Miami. He's like, all right, cool. And I'm like, say less, like, I don't even need you to, you know, okay, cool. Nice (laughs) to meet you, kid. Keep it moving, you know, and things like that. And it was the rare case where you have a guy like a Duke Johnson who was whatever, I mean, unconditional love, whatever was going on didn't matter. Literally he was going to Miami outside of Duke Johnson. What is the elite four-star five-star game-changing recruit who you can say that about recently? There really isn't one. So you have to give them something, and that means win. So, you know, to the point of the other guys, I mean, I think the, the floor has to be nine and three. And those three, if there are three, have to be competitive. You cannot be getting blown out, and you cannot lose stupid games. So that Virginia game and that Georgia Tech game about the, the trap games that we talked about from earlier, you cannot lose those because those are stupid games. Those are stupid games that a team of the caliber that uh, of the program that Miami is and aspires to getting back to being on the field Programs like that don't lose those games. What's recruiting rule number
6: one? Recruiting rule number one, always take a quarterback?
8: Quarterback every single year, baby. Quarterback every year. And and it's in, I mean, like, look, look, trust me, man. I went through all that stuff, but no, but again, and I ended it with winning because regardless of the, you know, the interior pages of the book, when you get to the end of the story, is this a team where I can go and can compete as a recruit? Do I feel that? Do I see that? Not do I just feel that in my heart, but do I see it with my eyes? If I don't, well then now you're going to see where all these kids, or a lot, so many kids over the you know 14 years that I've been blogging about this, have parked a Miami offer or a Miami commitment to be a placeholder to really you know boost themselves up and then potentially pivot to wherever they really want to go. But if we win these games, then we can be that place, and it's really incumbent upon this team to make that ha- you know happen and come alive.
0: Ro, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. Nick Saban, I think went seven and six his first year. Kirby Smart, eight and five. Does Mario have that luxury to keep this class together? I don't
2: necessarily think he does, and I'm glad you brought up Nick Saban because something changed when we had Mario Cristobal as the head coach for the University of Miami. I always felt with Alabama, my favorite movie of all times, Braveheart, right? And they, and it started on the premise of Prima Noctra, like you. They took your newly wife, right? Your new wife. And they had to get first rights on her, the English lords. That's what Alabama has been doing to Miami recruits for years. They have first dibs. Now with Mario, he's kind of that Mel Gibson character, right? Freedom! <laughs> he's going to come in. He's going to take the sword. He's going to say, no, this this premonautous stuff stops. We have the ability to creep up in the top five classes. Yes, it's contingent on winning. But there's something I do want to caution, and I don't think it happens this year, but I think it's a carryover from Mario Cristobal from Oregon. At a certain point, though, You need to have some top-end talent go high in the league, Mm. and Miami hasn't had that in a while. Mario needs to get the luxury of having a Tyler Van Dyke go on day one, day two early. He has to get that wide receiver. He has to get that running back. He's got to get the skill position guys now. I'm really, really confident in him along the offensive line and defensive line. He's a tough nose guy. He attracts what he preaches, and those guys have done well. He had a first-rounder at the defensive line position go last year. Yep. But he needs to do it at the skill position players because I feel we ended the prima nocte. We can, we can land some of these top-end kids. But over the long term, you got to start putting them in the league eventually sooner than later because then Alabama has that luxury once again to say, "Who name me a wide receiver who's gone first round that Mario has put in the league and I'm still waiting. And that's the thing that concerns me a
0: little. We got about 15 to 18 minutes left here on the Kane Gang Radio Show, Sirius XM Channel 145. Uh, I'm going to save my off-the-wall question for just a second. I've got one more, and it almost – it actually plays in line with just what Roe was talking about. Cam, I'm going to start with you on this one. Take Tyler Van Dyke out of the equation. Whose name is called first next year outside of him when we get to April's draft uh, with the NFL?
8: Zion Nelson. I think that this is a guy who's uh, just reworked his body, obviously, you know, from coming in at 6'4", 240, uh, when he was a two-star recruit committed to Appalachian State and uh, has really <clears throat> just grown into being a franchise left tackle. Um You know, it was rough for him, Uh, you know, his first start out uh, against Florida uh, that year and everything. But uh, again, he was 265, maybe 270 wearing pads, you know what I mean? uh, (laughs) That that was rough. But, and and I know a lot of people, when they think of Zion Nelson, still think of that. Mm -hmm. But if you've watched and, you know, seen the development and, and things, and even with, you know, Derek King running around back there, like Barry Sanders, you know, my running back for the lions when it was growing up, you know, there wasn't many, you know, watch outs, you know what I mean? Red alerts. Oh my God. You know, I just, a guy went all the way around me and now, you know, the quarterback's going to get hit from the backside and, you know, blow out a knee or something like that. So I think at a premium position of a guy who now embodies the prototypical size, 65 35 and a half, 36 inch arms, you know, 300 plus uh, still, you know, light on his feet, agile and nimble and things like that with a long history now of starting for four or five years on the left side. I think that's uh, the guy who's probably going to be in line uh, to have his name called first. And I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with Tyler Van Dyke having a strong season. You need your left side, you know, blind side taken care of. Uh, And if, Zion Nelson lives up to that and continues his progression that we've seen. And it's been slow, but it's been there. And, you know, it a, another guy that I always talk about, if you kind of want to develop an offensive lineman, I'll look at like a Danny Isidora from Weston Cypress Bay, right? Right. He's a guy who didn't play until year three, didn't start until year four, and was third-team all ACC as a fifth-year senior and ended up getting drafted. I think that Zion Nelson can be higher than that, but taking a similar uh, slow cooker uh, kind of progressional path. I think that he's a guy who can be in in the first two days of the draft. And that would really, really help things uh, from just a developmental standpoint. And also from a recruiting standpoint, we say, okay, cool came in one year, got this guy here and he was on this path. Now, Malagoa and Tenalau and you know hopefully Samson Okanola and whoever else y'all come in and be the next guys and you can spin that like Roman said okay cool I've done this at this position now I got Josh Gaddis for you running backs I have or in wide receivers I have da 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 you build on it from there.
0: David Lake is Miami back? No, <laughs> on the way
7: back. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, right? I, I think there's signs that you know. I think it's, again, I think it's going to be real. I think this is the, it's finally real. But the whole Miami back thing, honestly, Miami's not back till they win a national championship. That's just the standard of this program. Um, We can have a conversation of back to national relevance, and that's a good conversation to have. You know, stack 10 win seasons for a few years on top of each other. But Miami's not back until they win another national championship. Brian, are
0: they back?
1: Absolutely not. I hate this whole word back thing because you're, you're, the whole back thing comes from the media, in my opinion. You hear it from other people's fans and stuff like that. But David, Lake, you know, he, he nailed it. You, you have to be a national relevance. You have to say, hey, out of the last five years, we won the ACC three times. We're a top five team going into the year. We're Hey, we're competing with the Alabamas, Ohio States, the Clemsons of the world year in and year out. Not like, oh, 2017, before that. When I was in school, I guess you would say it was when we were halfway decent. And, you know, and that was one of our worst. And we consider that a bad year, attending to my freshman year, uh, winning in the Orange Bowl. You know, before that is when you're talking about what Miami is really Miami. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row going to the national championship, winning both of them, getting screwed over in the second one. But that's when you can say Miami is back. But the thing is, you never hear us saying it. It's right. always somebody else Correct. saying, oh, Miami's back. Oh, Miami's back. Who the hell keeps saying that? It's not from us. It's not from us, and you know, as former players, you understand what it takes to be a national champion. You know what, you see what the guys before me put in to be a national champion. And that's exactly what Mario said. We're not back, we're back to work. And it's gonna take a lot, a lot of hard work, and not just the players, the coaching staff too, because we don't have a roster right now to compete with the Alabamas of the world and the Ohio States of the world. We're not elite up front. we're just not. We've had guys here and there go to the league. But when you are the best, you have a stacked depth of roster. We met, you know, Cam mentioned Zion Nelson. Zion Nelson should have never stepped foot on the field as a freshman and sophomore. And everybody would have been talking to him about him as a redshirt sophomore or redshirt junior to say, hey, look, they got this left tackle, man. It's gonna be the next Brian McKinney or well, he's a nice piece to them. You don't, you don't have to go through the nine sack game of Florida's of the world. You need that guy to sit his butt in the weight room, in the food hall, learn some plays, get his butt whooped by the seniors in practice week in and week out, and then come on the scene as a third-year player. And now we really talk about that guy. And when Mario gets the roster like that, that's when we'll start talking about competing and being back to relevance. But no, Miami's far from back.
0: Ro, I'm going to add a layer to that. When on September 17th, you're 3-0. and The national narrative, is Miami back? How do you answer it then?
2: Still no, but I have a caveat to is Miami back? Miami is back to caring. Mm. We won national championships. It was a lightning in the bottle phenomenon, one in which you'll probably never see again in your lifetime, right? I think you have a better chance of seeing an Alabama take its place. Look, Georgia's on that precipice, right? They kind of took that formula. Kirby Smart can run off another five out of ten years. He can rival that. But to take a small private school, that was not one of the blue bloods and to turn around and dominate college football. Now, what happened after that? Well, they stopped caring. They, they, you know, the same green tree field, the same weight room that you have and then the arms race happened and it, it passed Miami by. And then like, I always liken what just happened and this is why I think Miami is back. Right. Because it was like your mom and dad telling you, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden he came in with an Amex, black or green or emerald whatever special one has your own (laughs) concierge right and they say kids we're gonna get whatever we want whatever you want whatever we want yes go get mario Cristobal, go get coach gaddis we're about to put a five-story facility up let's go ahead and, and 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 open up the nil in richmond get whatever you want in that case this is why i'm the most excited for this year because miami is back not until they win national championships true but they are back to caring like they've never cared more before ever.
3: John, let me piggyback a little bit on something. I don't think Miami's back. I mean, obviously, listen, I've been there through good times, bad times, great times, down times, you know, but at least we're back to being at the dinner table, right? At least our hat hat is at the table for some of these recruits right now to where these hats have never been in the last multiple years. So at least Miami's getting recognition, right? So to me, I think we're getting to that stage, and I agree. And I think we all would agree. And I don't think we have to necessarily have to win national championships, but at least if we compete year in and year out and be a predominantly top five, you know, team for five, six, seven years, at least we're doing something that we, you know, we'll be proud of, especially as fans. And I'm sure, like Brian, like as an alumni, you'd be happy and probably like, like a stoic to see Miami being in the top five year in and year out for the next five, ten years. would you agree with that?
1: I mean, who doesn't like talking shit? I mean, <laughs> come on, man. I, know. I can't even talk right now. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean arguments with people. You're like, "Yeah, Miami's doing great," and I'm like, you're right. "You're right." I'm a realist, but you know, when it comes down to it, everybody wants their team to be great. That's right. What it is, I don't care what school you went to. Every team wants their team to be great. All our fans want our team to be great. Miami, the city of Miami, is different when we're on. It's just a different buzz in the city. It's just more fun to be out and, you know, wearing your colors and talking shit whenever people walk by the Florida State and the Florida Peoples just look <clears> at <throat> you and hate you, and you're like, you right, yeah, we got that ass again this year, and there's nothing you can do about it, so right. yeah, I think everybody wants Miami to be back in that top six, top five preseason, talking about, oh my God, the running back room is stacked, the tight ends room is stacked, the linebackers, who starts at safety, where they have too many guys to put on the field, you know, and I think that's going to be more fun for all of us when you have those guys coming and competing and going back to practice and seeing that green tree is tougher for them than it is in a game, because that's where some of the best battles were. And I think Mario can do it because he's a tireless recruiter. He's going to be in a con- conversations with the best guys in the country. As you can tell just from this class already, his top guys all came from the West coast already. I mean, right. that's, that's just crazy to think about that. You got number one player from Washington, number one player from Morgan, the number one offensive lineman that right? we would have never been in the conversation if it wasn't for Mario and Alex Maribella being the yeah. coach in the last 20 years. He, he would have never thought about coming to Miami if it wasn't for those guys. And if he can continue to can, to go ahead and recruit up front with the number one and number two offensive linemen in the game, we got skill positions for days down here in South Florida. I ain't worried about that. I'm yeah. only about one, two groups, offensive, defensive line. Once you gotcha. get that, now you're talking about Alabama's, Texas A&M's, Ohio State's, Clemson's, you're going you can go battle with them all day long. So I will give I, me go ahead I, John. I did something a year ago that
0: had a lot of uh, controversy at stateoftheu.com. I did my top 5 list and I did the top 5 fan And there were people livid that they were on the list, not on the list. They should be on the list, whatever it may be. So (laughs) I'm going to make it even more. And Bird has been texting me, don't do it, don't do it. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm a shit starter. So that's what you do.
6: Wes told us about you at the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah.
0: Wes told you and he's spot on. So we have a tremendous female fan base. Tremendous. And I'm talking about as passionate as all of us. And some of us are happily married. Some of us may not be. I don't know everybody's personal life, so I'm not going to get you in trouble. And my wife can't hear me right now. Who is your favorite female fan that reps the U? I was going to do best looking, but that becomes very misogynistic, and I'm not that guy. I'm a professional radio host, sort of. My name's no. not
3: Deshaun Watson.
0: <laughs> Who is your favorite female Miami fan? Cam Who are you Underwood. asking? Oh, Cam, Cam okay. Cam, we are starting with you. I'm putting you right oh, on the spot. Uh,
8: there's a uh, a lot, you know, uh you know we do have a diverse fan base and everything. Uh shout out to my girl Yayo. Uh, I was just texting her the other day. Um so can
0: I tell uh, you I've never actually met her in person. I've talked to her on social media a million times and if there East,
3: zone. East so End Zone. East End field Club
0: <laughs> for the Bethune game, I need you to introduce me. Just hey, how you doing?
8: Say less. I mean, if she's down for that, then uh, we'll make that happen. Um <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with Rasp. Um uh s dot bayless if you spell all of it out i believe is her twitter account um very fiery um in mm-hmm. everything very low key in person uh and i guess this is kind of the miramar and me coming out because uh she went to miramar for at least a time uh and everything but yeah very low key uh in person but like oh man yeah the twitter fingers will get going bro <laughs> i mean uh you know it'll be there and talk ball with anybody so i mean there are a lot of great fans of, you know, all, genders uh, gender, shape, sizes, colors, creeds, all that stuff. But if I got to put, be put on the spot S. Bayless, <laughs> B-A-Y-L-E-S-S. I believe it is RASP. I'm going so, with uh, number one
0: row. OBB legend launching OBB Uh, awesome site. I took a look at it already. Uh, glad to have the podcast up on with the OBB as well. Your favorite female fan.
2: All right. I'm, uh, Kane's Heidi. She's great. Susie she's made me laugh over the years Kim Renning she's good and then I gotta go with the OBG leads she's our girl too man she's she's bringing it especially in the discord chat man she's she stirs it up man I gotta I gotta give her credit so I I I I, I, boss lady yeah you go too so there you go so I I actually did a top five I believe there was there was so there you go I was David very Lake. uncovered. Out of all the questions, I'm telling you right now, that was the one that made me the most hot under the collar. I don't really <laughs> <was laughs> like, answer this. I don't even want to answer this. completely. <laughs> He's completely on his own on this. I love right. it though. I love it, man. I I secretly have this fantasy where I would do whose line is it anyways. So that was like right up the right up the alley right there. I so. thought you were
0: going somewhere completely different with the fantasy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and my I'm mind out. was going that way already. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> <laughs> I like, favorite <laughs> female miami fan
7: so maybe this is a cop-out i gotta go with my wife we're both I knew coming. we're both um <laughs> alums okay um we uh after our first date we then we went and watched this was 2003 i think unfortunately miami lost at virginia tech that night ripped hmm. my heart out that was a tough game and uh yeah, she has an irrational hatred for Mark Richt somehow. She's like the only person in the world that does not like Mark Richt. And on the flip side, she loves Randy Shannon. So um, <laughs> okay. I don't know, but she's, she's she has her passions and her opinions. And uh, she would have an interesting podcast if if she shared her opinions. That's
0: we sure. got to have her on sometime, man. <laughs> we have to do that. Brian Moreau, your favorite female Miami fan.
1: So unlike the guys, I I guess I don't know all the female fans by their Twitter handles and stuff like that. But I was fortunate to be in the section one time and uh, I just hear like a train next to me cheering. I said, what the hell is that? And I look over and it's this young lady screaming her lungs out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, she looks real familiar. So I go through my Twitter and it's boss lady.
0: Yeah.
1: And. She is the most passionate, enthusiastic, awesome. It was awesome to watch a game with her, you know, and her friends are all drinking, taking shots, and everything else like that. So I have to give it to Boss Lady. And it's funny, actually, like the next week, we just happened to be at a, I think it was the, the Dwayne Wade roast. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, eh, you from the game. She's like, Yeah, <laughs> let's take a shot. I'm like, All right. So yeah, I, I give it to Boss Lady. She's a shit. I, I so have hundred, to-
0: I have to echo the same sentiments with Boss Lady. Uh, we had been friends on social media forever, and we got to meet for the first time for the Florida uh, Florida game in Orlando. And her and my best friend uh, and I and I met Big Spade that day as well. But Boss Lady was just we – let's just say we drank a lot. <laughs> we had a good night that night partying with a bunch of Miami fans. She showed up the next day at the tailgate ready to go. Uh, she came here to Atlanta. Uh, her and her boyfriend ended up at the strip club with me and my wife, which was good and bad. Uh, they stayed a lot longer <laughs> than I did. I had to get the hell out of Dodge. I wouldn't say, of
8: course, right?
0: He's such an awesome person. Like, once you meet her, you realize she's a great person. And Miss T, I think it's Miss T's culture, she just took mine, man. Oh, I'm at six, six, six on
6: the <laughs> way. Miss T, man, dude. Look, Miss T will go go toe to toe with anybody on Twitter, and she knows her stuff, man. So,
0: shout out to Miss T
6: for being a great fan.
0: See, you I, can't believe, guys. I, I didn't go best looking, I didn't because I we're all professionals here, but I, I love. I love maybe more with our fan base, and I think you guys can all talk to it, living down there, the passion of the women that go to the games is almost second to Like, I've been to Georgia games or Georgia Tech games up here, and it's, oh, my God, we're in a football game. Yay, we're going to cheer pump, And they have no idea what's going on. Our fan base, they're screaming, put Jake Garcia in. He's a, and I'm like, whoa, where the hell did this come from? And that's what I love.
8: Bro, Manny Diaz, what are you doing with this corner blitz? <laughs> oh,
0: okay, okay. Okay. Go off, Smith. <laughs> you know the problem, Cam? My wife had a crush on Manny Diaz. She's like, he's so handsome. Look at his chin. And I said I'd like to punch him in his chin. for running some Oh, of those my word.
3: Should that brought up his list. Store. <laughs> Listen, so let's, let's, we're going to wrap this up here. We appreciate you guys taking your time tonight on the Kangang gang radio show. Uh, again, sincerely, thank you guys so much. Obviously Alex Donald had to had to drop off, but man, this has been good. And obviously we're in the month of August. That means fall camp starts on Friday. We play, you know, here very, very soon and, and real quick around the table, just real quickly, Brian Monroe, give me your prediction as far as record.
1: Um, I'm gonna go nine to go 9 and 3 uh, I, I always, everyone always, always hypes everything up and says, oh, we're going to undefeated. We're going to win, lose one game. And then also we lose those two or three games that you can't, you know, lose. I think with this coaching staff though, you're not going to see the undisciplined teams that we have in the most recent years. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, more of a fight. You're going to see them competing. And I think as former players, that's all we want to see is that you're competing, you know, you're punching a dude in the mouth. You want to, you turn on Saturdays and all of a sudden there's other teams flying around hitting guys and you're like, how come we don't hit nobody like that anymore? You know, so um, I just don't think that Cristobal has the roster that he wants right now to compete at the highest level. So conservatively, I think a 9-3 would be a good year for him in his first year and build on that and and get the guys in that he needs to get up front and then maybe sneak a couple transfer guys in for that next year where you're saying, hey, now we're talking about 11-1, and one, maybe 10-2. Yeah,
3: gotcha. David Lake.
7: 9-3, and three, I think. To me, the biggest thing, the my message to the fans this season would be, just enjoy the upward trajectory because you know this program is ascending in the right direction, Um, and and this isn't. It's not gonna. You're not gonna go 12 and 0. You're not gonna flip on a light switch and be that program. Uh, Like Brian was saying, they need to improve the personnel, and that takes time. That takes uh, recruiting classes. But nine and three, I think that's a that's a good year for first year for a new new coach. Um, and if he does that, the recruits are going to come.
3: Gotcha. Cam? Nine
8: and three in a bowl game.
3: Uh,
8: okay. You know, just echoing the uh, the sentiments of the guys, you know, uh, it, it's a step in the right direction, but still uh, even with, you know, massive steps, there's still, uh, you know, ground that we need to cover uh, moving forward. So uh, yeah, nine and three is real strong. Uh, and, you know, really bring it in the bowl game, leave on a win, uh, get 10 uh, through the postseason, season. Um, and uh, yeah, keep moving forward.
3: Gotcha, bro.
2: I'm sorry, Brian. You're down there all by yourself. But my yeah. tic tac toe brothers again. We're, <laughs> we're gonna make it. We're we're winning this game. <laughs> um, nine and three. I, I think year one. I just go back to last year. We were seven and five. But you have a miss kick. That's eight and four. That was a chip oh. shot. Then you have an inexplicable fourth and fourteen. Oh. Well, now you're you're you, now you're at nine and three. So that's how close you were last year to doing it. I think you improved the roster. I think the Mario effect is going to supplant that. And I think we get those two wins in a rear. I think nine and three is the record moving forward. And I I like what David Lake said, that just enjoy the trajectory because it is, it's moving upward. I think we all sense it. We've been at this a very, very long time. I mean, I think we got hundreds of years of watching Miami Hurricane football in, in this room, in this chat alone. And, and we can see it. We can see it. And the recruits see it. And that's the proof in the pudding because, I mean, the class that he's assembling right now and the pre is going away and the level of recruit that we're getting, uh, there's an upward trajectory, and I'm enjoying it. John, what do you think?
0: Call me a homer. We're going 11-1. and one.
5: <laughs> I was going 12 and eight. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> we're going to beat Texas A&M, and we're going to beat Clemson. We're going to lose to Virginia. And then we're going to lose to Clemson in the ACC title game. So it'll be 11 and 2. We'll be in the Orange Bowl or whatever bowl game we go to, finish it up 12 and 2, probably ranked sixth or fifth or somewhere in the year. I true. We have the best quarterback in the conference. We're, we're improved all over the field. You forgot one, Ro. We had a tip pass against North Carolina. You're 10 and 2 last year. Yeah. Got your ass kicked by Alabama and Michigan State. AM's an 8 and 4, bum ass team. Clemson's really good. I still need to see DJU be a good quarterback before I believe it. Miami's going eleven and one. Mark that down.
3: Bird, talk to me real quick before we close up.
6: Yeah, ten and two. Uh, we win one that we're not expected to, and we lose one that we shouldn't. Uh, that we shouldn't drop.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. Like numbers are numbers. We'll see what happens. You know, we start open. You know, we get the Mario era on September third against Patoon Cookman. And listen, it's going to be a whirlwind. Like I'm excited for it. And I'm sure we all are excited because the hype is there. We're hyped. We're excited. And I haven't been this hyped probably in a long time and I mean again I've been around the program a long time and this is really the first year that I'm really excited about it and again you still got to win on the field I say this to the day I die these recruits until they sign I don't care what they do where they commit how they commit you give me early signing day you give me national signing day when that little fact whatever they're still using the facts goes through then I'm happy right but again you got to win in order to get the good talent Miami's going to get there. Mario's going to get us there. As a fan, let's just be passionate. Let's be positive, not like John Michaels. Let's be positive and (laughs) let's see what happens. (laughs) But listen, guys, on on a serious note, thank you guys so much for joining the King Gang Radio Show. Um, Again, if you guys real quick go through. David Lake, where can people find you at?
7: Insidethew.com.
3: Cam Underwood?
8: Stateofthew.com and at the State of the U on all socials. Gotcha. Roman?
2: On the Orange Bowl Boys podcast, student of the game on YouTube, and now the OBB legend,
3: Brian Monroe. Uh,
1: All Canes radio podcast and uh, Instagrams B Monroe fifteen.
3: You sure it's not B. Monroe 39? I just wanted to clarify that. No, 15? Okay. (laughs) It's not as smooth. It's It's not as smooth. It just looks ugly on there. (laughs) I got you. Obviously, you guys know John Michaels. You know Dirty Bird. This is your boy, DC. Thank you guys for listening to the Ken Gang Radio Show. We are going to go on to a Twitter space right after this, so if you guys want the link, you know, let us know, and then we're going to go. Bird, go ahead and close us out and then take us home.
6: All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
1: The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.